Welcome to The Thing About Health Coaching, the first ever podcast from Your Coach Health, where we discuss advancements in health and wellness coaching, trends to watch, and the growing body of research. This episode was generated from conversations that occurred at our Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium in November of 2020, with a focus on how coaches shape happy and healthy humans. Please note that the industry is rapidly changing, so some of the information discussed may be outdated. For the latest compendium of research, be sure to follow along with us and check out our latest health coaching report. We enjoy bringing you each and every episode, and it would mean a lot if you could rate this podcast in your favorite player. And of course, hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. Sam, thank you so much. What a way to kick off day two of our symposium. At Your Coach, we're constantly keeping tabs and new innovations in health and wellness to keep our coaching community ahead of the curve. Digital therapeutics came onto the scene as clinically validated evidence-based software therapies. The next panel will explore the interfaces and opportunities between you health coaches and these therapies. Please join Dr. Megan Jones-Bell, Sarah Espina, Max Alvrook, and Jeff Daches, moderated by our very own Eugene Borokovich. And we're back. Um, day two has already started um, of our Global Health and Wellbeing Symposium. I am Eugene Borohovich, and I am co-founder and CEO of Your Coach Health. And uh, this is a super interesting panel. And I think, you know, for most of you that are tuning in today as health coaches around the world, um, you know, I, I just wanted to set a little bit of the context um, as we go through some of the introductions. And the interesting part is to me, as I'm looking at this screen of an amazing panel, we, you know, I'm kind of looking at this as, as parts of the body that the companies are helping. So we're going to do a little lightning round of yourselves uh, as well as what the company do. So maybe we'll, we'll start with the head, which is Headspace, Megan. All right. Well, thanks, Eugene. It's great to be here um, with everyone today. And um, I'm Megan Jones-Bell. I'm the Chief Strategy and Science Officer at Headspace, which is one of the world's leading mindfulness apps. Um, and my background, I'm a clinical psychologist. I built a coaching um, business previously, which was um, part of a company called Lantern, which is actually now the basis of the coaching platform for Ginger, for Spring Health, um, for part of Omada, as well as a couple of other companies. Um, and at Headspace, I lead corporate strategy, our um, medical affairs team and technology strategy, as well as oversee Headspace Health, which is our, our new venture. Awesome. So I'll move down to uh, a little back pain. Uh, I know that's where Kaya started out. So Sarah, maybe introduce yourself and what Kaya does for our, our, our wonderful health coaches out there. Sure. So I'm Sarah Spina and I'm with Kaya Health, which is based in Munich, actually, but I'm part of the U.S. branch uh, that's based in New York. Um, my background, I am uh, I have my master's degree in nutrition. I'm an intrinsic coach and just sat for my boards a few weeks ago. So fingers crossed for later this year. Um, Kaya itself, um, Eugene mentioned MSK. So we are a digital therapeutics company that pretty much puts a physical therapist 
in your phone and in your pocket um, that we, and we leverage multimodal therapy to incorporate relaxation, education, as well as the physical exercises to help manage MSK. Uh, we'll just call it MSK pain today. Um, myself, historically, I come from the corporate wellness world actually, and used to be the lead content strategist um, at a corporate wellness company in um, Seattle, Washington, and helped to develop, write, and lead several programs across, uh, whether it was building resilience, uh, maternal health, or I also created a CDC compliant uh, DPP program and led that as well. Um, and so now at Kaya, I am our senior health coach and I drive Kaya's coaching philosophy and our program and um, work across the product team to help figure out how to integrate coaching into the product itself. Awesome. Well, let's let's move to the to the gut, right? Um, I I always uh, joke around with Marina that you know as we're watching on your coach hundreds and hundreds of coaches, I always use for some reason the example of a gut coach, um, health coach. So, um, Max, please, uh, Oshi Health. Yeah. So, hi everyone. Pleasure to be here. So, I'm Max Arush. I am the director of health coaching at Oshi Health, and so we are a um, digital health startup that is advancing the standard of disease management in that digestive healthcare space. So we are really building a full-scale virtual clinical operations and cl virtual clinic for patients who have all types of GI disorders and diseases. And so um, my role is really focused on designing, developing, and executing an integrated uh, coaching model within the care system. So we are building what we like to call gastrointestinal health coaches um, who really have specialization within GI, but really pull from all levers of health. So obviously we incorporate what Kaya, Headspace, Omada, what a lot of other companies are doing really success successfully, but really thinking about it within the GI space. Um, so my background, um, I uh, sort of at the intersection of operations and clinical um, I came from the Boston Consulting Group, Digital Ventures, where I worked in operations for several years. And then prior was at Omada Health, um, was on the early team with our coaching team um, as a diabetes health coach myself. So really take that experience. And it's been really fun to really help to build out our program at OSHI and think about how to really, how to really scale um, and create an effective coaching program. Oh, and now, now to Mr. Jeff Dockey's uh, metabolic, and uh, I, you know, the first time I bought my OneDrop device, I I was super impressed. Um, and <clears throat> please, your introduction, company. I know you've uh, you've been expanding as well. Thanks, Eugene, and thanks to everyone else on the panel here uh, for taking the time. Um, I'm Jeff Dockey's. I'm the founder and CEO of OneDrop. We're a data-driven chronic condition self-care management program uh, platform. Um, we focus on diabetes, pre-diabetes, weight loss, hypertension, hyperlipidemia right now. And then are moving into cardiovascular conditions, renal care uh, over the coming, coming next year. Uh, just by way of background, um, a long time ago, I started a company called Razorfish which became one of the largest digital marketing solutions firms in the world. Um, and most importantly, it allowed me to um, work with some really, really talented people on evolving how digital can impact um, almost every industry on the planet. That came to a head for me in some ways when I was diagnosed with type one diabetes in September of 2013. 
And I was shocked at the lack of health nor care that I had received from the healthcare industry. Um, I got about six minutes with a nurse practitioner, an insulin pen and a prescription and a pat on the back and I was out the door with diabetes. And that left me really wondering um, what was going on in the three and a half trillion dollar healthcare economy we have here in the US. And more importantly, what's happening to the one in two people suffering from chronic conditions worldwide um, when the sick care system isn't really doing its job at creating either health nor care. So I thought there had to be a better way to um, drive uh, self-empowerment, um, better choices, and um, behavior change the 8,759 hours a year that I wasn't at the doctor's office. And so we founded One Drop with that idea, and we've sort of created now an army of empathy that um, allows us to really um, help people make the right choices, make change in their lives, and um, you know, live healthier. Awesome. So just for, you know, I think we're all in the space, you know, uh, with kind of novel health services, with new experiences and digital therapeutics. Um, and this is a panel about intersection of what we are doing with health coaching. To set a little bit of the context for our, our global community of coaches, um, we also had a panel uh, between Margaret Moore and Dan Kendall around, uh, you know, how, while health coaching has been around for about 20 years, it's come into um, really speed of light um, since the AMA announced that a health coach is a non-clinical member of a healthcare team, kind of uniting the health and wellness space with a healthcare space. Um, and they also talked quite a bit about the CPT codes for testing that came out in January and some of the reimbursements paths for health coaching. And I think for, for again, for our community, um, I wanted to go set a little bit of more context of how the DTX or digital therapeutic is even defined. I'm not gonna go into it. There's a digital <laughs> therapeutic alliance. Um, I, I don't wanna go too deep. I, I, I also question some of those things, <clears throat> but just to set the stage, um, it is clinically validated, uh, software-driven therapeutic interventions, right? And the promise and the premise of a digital therapeutic and a digital technology was it's the technology that's helping us as consumers um, of, of that service or a therapeutic. Why we're here now talking about health coaching. So what, what's, what's the use cases to the extent that you can talk um, between the marriage of, of that digital therapeutic and a digital intervention with real people, right? Um, and health coaches. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll start with you, Sarah, uh, and then we'll move, move you around. Yeah, sure. So this is um, actually an ongoing conversation that we have uh, at Kaya all the time because within the digital therapeutic realm, you're right, like there's a clinical background, there are all of these research pieces, especially um, in the MSK world, right? We have to be very careful of the clinical side. And that piece has to remain as the solution, right? That has to be um, what the treatment, quote unquote, would be in relation to that product. And so then it becomes, okay, you have this product that is kind of a service-based thing, right? You're doing exercises, you're providing a therapy, 
But then you have coaching, which is also a service and enrichment type piece. So how do you ensure that if you are having coaching alongside the therapy of the in-app experience, how does that not become the solution? How do you separate the two, especially once you get into, you know, clinical studies and all of that to make sure that the solution remains the product itself. And so for Kaya, for us, um, one of the biggest learnings for me stepping into this company and coming out of, um, I used to work with Aduro um, and the corporate wellness world was that we don't get paid for coaching. And so it's a little bit different. And then the way the contracting is work, you know, works out, it's more about the in-app activity. So again, it's always driving the user back into the app, but then, okay, how can we supplement? How can we empower these users to maximize that experience? And so with coaching at Kaya, our main goal is to boost user engagement and retention. And we do that through coaching sessions. We do that through proactive coach outreach through our coach chat system. Um, and also we're the, we're the, we're considered the one touch person pretty much. So users come to us for um, inact in-app tech questions, coach questions, subscription type questions. You right? I mean, you kind of, you, you the, the front door, right? We, we always we, say that is an excellent way to put us. Yes, we are the front door at this point. And so we are that one human touch within the app. Um, we of course also then within those sessions, help them support or sorry, support them in creating smart goals right? That create that self-efficacy, that create that autonomy and that sense of power over their health uh, through action items that work well for them. And we also provide in that way, that human connection, right? Change. And especially this kind of change, everybody knows what to do. We all know smoking's bad, right? But yet there are still many smokers around the world. So it's figuring out, okay, yes, I know what I have to do, how do I do that? How do I make that work for me? And that's part of where coaching comes in to boost that awareness. Perfect. Um, so Megan, I'm on day 1082, right? Uh, so I've, I've established a streak now. Um, I, I will admit I've actually had to reset it once or twice because of pre-COVID travel synchronization things. But you know, my point a little bit, I'm actually pretty adherent to the technology and it's been helping me. Where, where's your head, no pun intended, on health coaching and, and, and interactions? That's a great question. Well, Eugene, congratulations for your streak. You're a great example for everyone else. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, for, for me, when I think about the role of coaching in a mental health intervention, it is, you know, building on what Sarah was describing, you know, certainly about uh, supporting adherence to the more structured intervention, which is really delivering the, the therapeutic, um, even if it's in the prevention side of, of the spectrum, um, which is, you know, in regards to headspace, we are a mental health promotion and prevention intervention, not a treatment intervention. Yeah. But um, in, my, in my previous work, it was, I, I, I had designed actually in um, 2009, a coaching um, plus basically a blended intervention. So there was coaching uh, plus a self-guided CBT intervention. Um, that's really what became Lantern. And I added coaching 
specifically because um, of something that I've seen and heard from, you know, end users, or which we call members at Headspace. I heard in my research, I heard at Lantern, I've heard at Headspace, but people want a human connection and behavior change is hard. And, okay. and, and as a psychologist, I have always helped support behavior change in the context of a relationship. And so while you certainly can design a, you know, fun, engaging, beautiful product, and you should, you should try to get, you know, as, as much uh, juice out of that orange as you yeah. can, um, there are still going to be people, and it's not 100% of people, but there will still be a very meaningful subset of your end users who just want that human support along the, their journey. Mm -hmm. And so to me, um, that that's really the heart of, of the reason to include it is because it's direct feedback from members about the way they want to experience change and be supported through that change journey. Um, I, I really believe in putting the members needs first when you're designing an intervention or product. And, and second, in mental health, our algorithms are still not good enough to manage risk independently. And so if you have a product where you have free text inputs or you're asking people to track symptoms, you need to have a mechanism of monitoring risk in as close to real time as possible so that you protect the safety of your, of your members so that you know how to, you know, recommend uh, additional, you know, step up um, in their care plan. And so, you know, really in mental health, because our approach to measurement is very imperfect, I believe you really need this blend of symptom monitoring through asking them to you know, answer structured mm -hmm. questions, but also to really gather that, you know, expert trained um, view on, you know, but but do they, you know, like when someone would walk into the door of my office when I was a practicing therapist, I could tell that they were depressed just by the way that they walked in, their eye contact, their how, how slow or fast they move their body. There are a lot of unspecific, you know, things that even in text-based coaching interaction, you can get a gut feeling that something is wrong. And so I, I believe in certain uh, use cases clinically, it's appropriate to have that you know, safety mechanism of human and technology uh, support for risk management as well. As, as uh, Marina, my better half, uh, always says, uh, it's the human eye on top of AI, right? Um, so oh. it's, you, 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 you absolutely need that. So uh, Jeff, I'll, 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 I'll thank you. Uh, I'll, I'll jump to you. Um, so I'm, you know, for all the viewers, I am pre-diabetic um, and I've been managing to it with exercise. And I remember again, buying one drop and you know when you have an incentive and you have the drive cool um but when you fall off it you know probably not good so I'll, I'll leave it to you i mean just talk a little bit about one drop and your approach to to health coaching yeah you know thank you eugene and megan you raised it so you, you said it so so apropos the, this idea of a dialogue um in a relationship you know, um, and I'll, I want to touch on that in just a minute. But um, at one drop, you know, we're really focused on delivering an experience that generates an intrinsic set of behaviors, um, not an intervention from the outside in, not an extrinsic thing that's happening to me, 
but something that people build intrinsically. And we don't believe that at least in chronic care, that chronic conditions can be managed extrinsically. We, we, we just don't, we don't, that's not in our belief system. We don't believe that the system that is putting stuff on us, making us adhere to things, making us um, um, you know, sort of listen to these episodic interventions that happen every six months. We don't believe that that generates actually any intrinsic motivation to change the behavior that we know impacts chronic conditions. Nobody so, wants to be told you're not adherent. Right, or, or even to adhere to something. You need to build those skills and that understanding intrinsically. Um, but, you know, in terms of personalization, we also know that extrinsic population health approaches where one size fits all for a thing, like just doesn't fit me. It's not a thing that like this therapy intervention isn't necessarily directed at me. It's directed at somebody sort of like me. It's, but, oh, but I'm pregnant or, but I'm going through this stressful thing or, but I don't sleep well, or I have six kids or whatever my thing is. It's not really directed at me. It's directed sort of at me. And so one, you know, population-based interventions have huge amounts of waste. So one, and then two, they're not precise enough to actually impact me in a meaningful way. And so what I want to get at in terms of OneDrop's approach to coaching is that we're interested in building these intrinsically motivated individuals who are, who are empowered to take, you know, their own health into their own hands, one. And two, in delivering a personalized experience that's right for just them. And sometimes people want to talk to a coach and that's awesome. And they engage and they're super chatty Cathy's and they're like, wow, I really want to talk to a coach all the time. Call me Thanks Tuesday. Let's, let's, let's get into my coaching thing. And that works sometimes, right? But for someone else, like they don't want to talk to a coach at all, ever. And they can still get the same impact on the OneDrop platform through other sort of intrinsic motivators. And so that dialogue that Megan referred to, that relationship, is not just a human and a human relationship, but it's a set of experiences and the individual's relationship with the different forms of intrinsic motivation, intrinsic personalization, and the things that allow me to become empowered to take control of the choices that I make the 8,759 hours a year that I'm not at the doctor. That's so where as, my health lives. And so, yes, I need a guide sometimes. Sometimes I need a Sherpa. Sometimes I need a co-pilot. Sometimes I need a dictator. Sometimes I need a nudge. Sometimes I need a kick in the pants, right? And it's that dialogue and that personalization um, that helps me develop the intrinsic motivation that I need to stay healthy. And sometimes it's a full-blown coaching program, 12 weeks, rigid, rigid. And sometimes it's nudgy interventions and check-ins. And sometimes it's scheduled appointments. It's all of those forms. And that's where Definitely. we bring the OneDrop platform. And I, I hope that I makes also sense. want to say your, your passion exudes. And I think you also need a dance partner sometimes. So. <laughs> I do. I'm Jeff Handwavy Zoom guy. <laughs> Um, so, um, you know, fantastic. Uh, Ma Max, uh, let's jump straight in. Um, you know, gut health, uh, you know, I mean, go. it's last but not least, right. I mean, for me, I think what's so fascinating, you've all touched on this is the beauty of rapport and relationships in the quality of health coaching. Um, what I am very challenged by, but I'm excited about the work at OSHA health and what we're doing is we're integrating 
health coaching into this full care model, as well as trying to understand is what does a gastrointestinal health coach look like? Um, the empowerment of relationship is absolutely paramount, not just to drive behavior change, but in terms of accountability and that partnership. And we're seeing this across all the different provider lenses in terms of how we want to really not just change the standard of care and GI, but really think about what is a sustainable relationship look like within coaching and trying to understand sort of how to build a coaching program designed at GI. It's wildly complex, but also fascinating because we're really trying to understand what is the nitty gritty of it, right? So unlike, I think more models that are focused on one specific chronic condition, we have to target all these different types of chronic conditions, different 10 years, different levels of severity. So it really goes past this idea of just symptom management or improving quality of life for us. We're trying to understand is like, what is the long-term value in it? How are we going to actually impact our patients long-term? And so the questions that come up a lot is understanding like the different users, like where, what would be most impactful? So there's, instead of thinking of a standard 12 week program, Jeff, you just mentioned this, like for me, one thing I'm trying to understand is some patients really don't need access to health coach. They already have some behaviors in place to monitor their health. They need more support around sort of the clinical space. So that's where I think coaching really leans on other clinical members. So we partner with dietitians, we have NPs, gastroenterologists, and GI-focused psychologists on staff to support that. So the magic of coaching is really understanding and partnering with all these different providers and creating these verticals of support, whether it's dietary-focused or more mental health-focused. We really understand the value of being able to think about it within not just improving GI, but also, again, the long-term value of it. So it's it's exciting as much as it is challenging because there's so many different layers to it um, within gut health and gut health also to think about what is gut health, right? I think within coaching, we can really take that from almost every angle possible in terms of health behaviors, right? Sleep, mindfulness, mental health, diet, weight loss, weight gain, um, thinking through sort of their own sort of like so social and play. And then there's so many different angles you can take it. So I think that's what within the work we're doing has been some most exciting, but also, um, I think interesting, um, as it evolves. So, you know, it's interesting as I'm hearing all of you guys talk and I, you know, coming out of the healthcare system where a lot of things were siloed, what I think health coaching brings to the table. And I, you know, Marina, my wife and CEO of your coach is the health coach. I just finished a nine week because as a COO, I think I need to know what health coaching is, uh, at least feel some of this. And I, I, I said it to a class at, uh, and well coaches to, I think, 42 students. I said, I feel like this is like non-clinical psychotherapy to help people just achieve their goal very holistically. And so when we talk about whether it's, you know, it's gut, it's reversing diabetes, it's MSK, you know, I think that's the beauty of health coaches, bringing a lot of this together um, and, you know, one of the things that we're finding super interesting um, at, at your coach, one of the cool features that Marina developed um, is co-coaching because, you know, when your scope of practice stops, right, um, or you're stuck, you can actually bring other coaches in to almost like back to this in, in healthcare, it's accountable care model. We're looking at this as accountable wellness model, right, where you can actually treat a person as a whole. But let, let's jump to some of the, um, uh, maybe a little bit more lightning round on, um, we did in February publish the report on health coaching industry. And uh, we've sort of calculated or counted probably about 200 clinical trials that have health coaching attached to it. Uh, about half of them were done by then. 
another hundred were in process of starting. Uh, maybe just a minute, minute and a half on how you guys look at clinical trials to pr actually prove the value of health coaching uh, to the extent you can talk about it. Let's start with you, Megan. I know. Yeah. Well, I um, we just submitted a paper from work that we did at Lantern actually in India, where we compared the randomized controlled trial um, essentially to a purely self-guided cognitive behavioral therapy intervention for anxiety disorders versus, uh, the lantern program, which was, you know, essentially the same thing plus coaching. And we actually had to stop the randomization into the control, the comparison condition for ethical reasons, because the engagement with that intervention, the self-guided intervention was so oh. poor that oh. it simply wasn't ethical content to continue to randomize participants into an intervention that no one was using. Um, so I share that just as an example of if you, if you look at that research um, I, and what I've found in, you know, probably a dozen studies that I've done through my work at Stanford, Lantern, et cetera, was that adding a coach really dramatically increases effective use of interventions. Um, I, I like to think about, you know, this relationship between engagement and efficacy where if you don't have engagement, then even if it in theory is an efficacious intervention, no one actually no. got the medicine, then how are they going to get better? And so um, I think we really consistently see positive effects for the addition of coaching to uh, in interventions. Perfect. Any, any other thoughts, comments? Because uh, I'm going to have one more and we're coming to the end uh, very quickly. And I'm going to, to echo what Megan said, you know, in all of the clinical studies that we've done, whether they be RCTs, um, prospective, retrospective, real world, we've got a ton of published um, clinical, over 20 published clinical studies now. Um, universally, uh, those that deploy coaching as part of the program or part of the the study, uh, the individuals typically you know, will do better. And so I'll just say it's a super important part of the mix. It's not the only part, but it's a super important part of the mix that you have to have when thinking about what works. I, I call it the magic um, really with coaching. So we ran some pilot programs at OSHI over this last year and we really saw, uh, I mean, obviously <laughs> I was biased, right? And it's part of my role is I had a hypothesis around what we see, what can happen out of coaching, but within GI, the fragmentation of care is real, right? A lot of patients don't have sort of that multidisciplinary access to be able to not manage their conditions, but also to kind of live a healthier life. And so adding in coaching within GI really helps to elevate care plan delivery, as well as provide that level of support that they wouldn't necessarily have. So, cause I think too, with GI is there's two components that I see as the most relevant, which is understanding and being able to manage your condition, but also what are the foundational aspects towards health and well-being? To maintain and so a lot of that is foundational learning but also making sure to weave that into how to be able to understand your condition disease and be able to manage it long term so there's a interplay with prevention and maintenance and i don't want to call it reversal but also thinking through like how to prevent further flare-ups that coaching we've seen has such a direct impact on a positive patient experience the thing about health coaching is brought to you by your coach health the only operating system for behavior change powered by health coaches. We help a growing roster of industry partners stand up or augment their health coaching operations with the largest supply of validated health coaches and proprietary technology for seamless integration.
We are the premier virtual home for health and wellness coaching. An ecosystem built to empower health coaches while expanding access to their services through our industry partnerships. To find out more, head over to yourcoach.health or yourcoachhealth on all the socials. Join us on the health coaching revolution as we strive to deliver the power of health coaching to the 8.5 billion global population by 2030. Yeah, I mean, to that point and to Jeff's as well, it takes that um, that standard of care, right? No matter what the industry is or what the, the disease state might be. And it customizes it, it personalizes it to that person who has six kids or that guy who travels five days a week for work, right? It takes the solution and it enables through coaching, it facilitates this relationship and dialogue to figure out, okay, how can I leverage this? and weave it into my existing routine, which is completely and utterly unique to me and make it work in my favor rather than um, one thing I always say to coaches is, I want this to be something that adds value to your life, not something that's another thing you have to check off your list today that's gonna stress you out. And so figuring out what that looks like for every single coachee is gonna be different. And that's where, um, I think the efficacy, you know, we see it as well with Kai. I mean, just to echo all of that, it's being able to take whatever those solutions and the efficacy of the, the therapy and say, okay, how am I going to leverage that in my life? How am I going to make that work for me? And the second a user is able to see that path and understand, okay, here's where I am. Here's where I want to go. Here's maybe three or four steps that I can start taking to get me to that place then they, then they realize, okay, I can do this and their self-confidence their self-efficacy grows. And that's what then has that really positive impact on the efficacy of the treatment itself. Jeff, you mentioned about, yeah, a little bit of time real quick too, about, you know, beyond behavior change, uh, accountability partner, being that person to really just like get to the next level. I think what we've seen too is, um, I think, holding to a one source truth definition of what coaching is, right? Where you can be agents of change, support behavior change, bring out the best in you, but also coaching what I've seen and then the work we're doing at Oshi can also just be that partner to get them to where they need to go to that destination. Awesome. So let, let's, um, let, let's switch gears a little bit. Again, we, we have um, hundreds and hundreds of coaches watching us now all around the world. Um, let's talk a little bit. I mean, uh, we, we know that the healthcare system is under such tremendous pressure. And, you know, a little bit as I talk to more and more coaches, um, the, there's a little bit of, you know, we're the saviors, especially around helping people because, I mean, the docs are super busy. The nurses are super busy. I mean, everybody is. But let's talk about a little bit about the business models, if you can, to the extent, like, where does that fall in? And what are the opportunities for the, the future of health coaching, right? Um, and some of the younger individuals that are going into this um, field. And again, just uh, try to keep it to like a minute or so, just so we can wrap up on time. I, I'll just make a quick comment. What I think the business model that it, that, that it's not going to be um, is going to be in this sort of episodic appointment setting model that 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 the current healthcare system uses to deliver fee for services. Um, I don't think that that approach, while it may generate CPT codes and may get billed in some form in the future, great for that particular mode of operation. Um, 
not necessarily the way in which you're going to engage users in a successful outcome. And so um, I'd like to hypothesize that the business model for coaching is going to look a lot different than the episodic fee-for-service model that we're currently, you know, sort of experiencing. And you can see that in the, you know, we employ a lot of certified diabetes educators, um, dietitians, uh, uh, and a variety of other coaches. And those folks hated working in their clinics because of the form at which they had to um, make phone calls out through the disease management programs and then establish 30 appointments in a given week. And then seven of those 30 people may show up for their appointment for a 30 minute appointment. And the rest of the time was spent doing a whole bunch of stuff that had no relation to coaching whatsoever. And so we meet, we meet so many nurses that left the nursing practice, left the hospitals Mm -hmm. because they're basically Mm -hmm. saying, right. I mean, aside from doing all the grunt work as it is now we're doing administrative, we can no longer help patients inside the system. Let's do this outside. So we have two um, nurses on our team. Yeah, I mean, two out of, you know, two of our members of our team are former um, nurses. Um, And I I completely agree. I think it's going to, it it creates, it, let me back up. It fills this gap of, to use coaching language, right? Um, That's missing when we look at the body in a holistic way. And then when we look at standard of care in a more holistic way, um, you know, we have those episodic, appointments. We go to the doctor when we're sick or when there's something wrong, right? But what about the rest of the time uh, that we're building health, that we're building wellness? I see coaching in the future as being this safe place that enables people to build rapport with someone for their health and wellness journey, whatever that looks like for them and whatever may arise, whether it's diabetes or GI issues uh, or depression and anxiety along the way or MSK um, and allows them to flow over time with a coach who has rapport with them, who they trust implicitly, especially um, in Max's situation. I personally have a lot of GI issues, always have. It's part of why I am a nutritionist and a coach. And that relationship, like you have to have a really, really strong rapport with your coach uh, to be comfortable enough to talk about the things that you're going to have to talk about in that kind of setting. And that's where I feel coaching is really headed. It's filling this gap of uh, bridging, creating a bridge between all of these episodic moments, right? And to create more of a holistic viewpoint on health and relationship yeah. with somebody and by the way sarah you can still talk you know we we had a panel uh yesterday of uh every coach needs a coach basically too so. oh i have one. Oh yeah i have one who i worked with at a duro she oh yeah i recommend her to everyone and i have coached multiple times with her <laughs> so max you got about a minute yeah i'll be i'll be I'll, 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 uh, I'll go to megan I think reducing stigma, uh, Megan, I'm sure you've seen this within mental health. Um, I think we're seeing this a lot within gastroenterology is um, sense of embarrassment, not wanting to talk about it, feeling ashamed of having sort of GI issues. Mm-hmm. Um, within sort of the model board building, for me, I, what I find most exciting about this world of thinking the world of health coaching is giving it its rigor. And I think two things, one digital, um, digital coaches, right? There's so much we can do. Um, with data empowered or digital health coaches that you can't do just with a traditional brick and mortar system. So that in and of itself is developing this world and digitally for coaches to be able to do incredible work 
and at scale. I think that is to me what I, you know, the more and more you're in it, the more you're just like, absolutely, this is sort of the way you see it. And I think too, what we're building at Oshi is an integrated model. So I think giving coaches, non, even with non-clinical backgrounds, an opportunity to learn clinical experience, right? Um, but still hold true to the work that they do. And I think that's what's most exciting is, um, you know, thinking through this world of seeing the beauty of what coaching can do long-term, whether it's engagement, personalization, outcome, symptom management, but also being able to understand the, the world of clinical, understand sort of how primary care exists and the nuances between how to make a better system for patient. Perfect. And Megan, would love to hear I'll, I'll, what, what, what's your message to the health coaches out in the world? Um, my message to the health coaches. Well, you know, your, to your question around the business model of coaching, I think one word of caution just for the industry overall is to not overtech the experience. I think we certainly want to improve quality, risk management, efficiency through leveraging AI and other you know, great technology that makes us better um, or helps us personalize. But I, I really want to create meaningful careers for coaches as we design coaching-based interventions in digital health. And that means not having too high of a coach to user ratio. Um, and so I, I think for me, what I hope to see in terms of business model is sufficient value placed on the real service that coaches are actually providing. Um, mm-hmm. Because to me, that's what will lead to coaching retention, job satisfaction, and great outcomes for members. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, all. I hope uh, all of you coaches uh, learned a lot. Um, And uh, next up is our health coaching around the world, worldwide. Uh, So we're going to hear from uh, quite a few different locations of what's happening around health coaching world. And thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.